0: Thank you for tuning in to the New Birth Podcast. There's a word of hope for you today, and we are excited for what God is doing here at New Birth. For more information, visit our website, nvplaceofhope.com. Now for the message by our senior pastor, Gabby Mejia. You guys ready for the word? Come on, this isn't my word. This isn't, this isn't me. This is the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody. He's called us for such a time as this. And I'm excited to preach. I call this message anointing and appointing. Somebody say anointing and appointing. Anybody taking notes this morning? Just to let you know, if you take notes for sermons, uh, you get to heaven quicker than everyone else. It's in the book of John. (laughs) Book of John Mejia. (laughs) Um, Just kidding. But we love to take notes. We love to take notes in church. It's really a good way to remember what God's saying, what God's doing. I love, while I'm taking notes, I like to take some personal notes and where God wants me to, where he's leading me to make some changes, make some switches. So you can go ahead and pull your Bibles out, pull your notes out. If it's your first time in church, we're going to display all the points and all the verses in the screen behind me. Um, But but, but more requires anointing before appointing. And anointing and appointing are big church words. I want to break down the word anointing. Because I think that's where we have most of the questions uh, today in church. What what is anointing? What is that? Right? And, And we look into the life of David. He was anointed. He was anointed. A prophet came to the house of Jesse and said, I'm looking for the next king of Israel to anoint. Not necessarily appoint, but to anoint. Why? Because usually God's appointing comes with a process. Usually God's appointing, God's strategy and pointing you in a direction, God's strategy and taking the purpose he's put inside and you're bringing it out. I got to let you know that's a process. Appointing is a process. But listen, anointing happens once you say yes to Jesus and the Holy Spirit enters your heart. You have been anointed by God. Come on, somebody. And that's the anointing we want to talk about. The anointing, the theological definition of the word anointing is, is the Hebrew word, Masah, M-A-S-A-H. And, and here's some, 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 some ways it's used in the Bible. First, it's an individual or an object set apart for divine use. In other words, to be anointed. Solomon was anointed ruler over Israel, uh, uh, same with David. This, this anointing made him, watch this, both responsible and accountable to the appointing that was in front of him. The anointing made him responsible and accountable to the appointing that God had for him, amen? If you believe in Jesus today, here's my whole message. If you believe in Jesus today, you have been anointed and you have also been equipped to do something with your anointing. You have also been equipped to actually walk out and turn your anointing into an appointing. And and that's what God wants to do today. He, He wants to show you through the life of David the idea of anointing it says in 1 Samuel chapter 16 verses 10 to 13 if you have a bible pull it out if you know what, the screen's behind me it says this Jesse someone say Jesse uh, Jesse had seven sons right so so Jesse's the dad he has seven sons he's an amazing dad oh my gosh but but, but can I tell you that the that the seven of the sons that he had he he presented he, he presented them to Samuel and I got to tell you it was an awkward moment when you think you know what God's going to do and he does something else. It was a, like, a, like a mind-blowing moment for Jesse. He's come. He comes to the prophet, right, representation of God in that moment, and he, he looks at the prophet and says, you're looking for the next king of Israel? Here are my seven best sons. Seven of them. Tall, beautiful, handsome, strong men, a lot like your pastor. Somebody, amen. can I get an amen? I played. I was a setup, and you went for it. <laughs> Nanny, here's here's my sons. Sam, Sam hey, hey, prophet. Sam, hey, here's my sons. And, and and look what happens in Scripture. The Lord has not chosen these. Samuel says. In other words, you came with an idea how God was going to work, and He worked completely different. You came with your strengths. You came with what you thought was presentable. You came to God, all the reasons why he should save you, all the reasons why you're beautiful. No, no, no he chose the, the, the thing that you're overlooking to, to do something. He chose the thing that you're, you're not recognizing to do something. He chose something in your house that you are not looking at. Something that came out of you, God's going to look, he's going to choose it. And most of the things God uses to take us to the next level, can I tell you, you're probably overlooking it right now. Like 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 your job? Like like I want a job in ministry and this job sucks and and, and and I love God and my job honestly I'm just doing it for the money. No 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 look at your job as an opportunity for God to do something amazing. Don't overlook your job. Because I believe your whole your whole floor, all your employees one day will be here, new birth, and one day your whole building will be saved. Woo, anybody got childlike faith in this place? Most of the things we overlook, God tends to use. And it's a lesson to to Jesse. It's also a lesson to David. Verse 11, so he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? Are you serious? I said, oh, Oh, yeah, I got this one son, the youngest. You know, he's he's not as old as them. He doesn't look as good as them. His muscles aren't as developed. He doesn't have the deep voice to lead the people of Israel. God could never use him. Oh, the, the prophet's coming to my house. Let me get my seven sons. I'm going to leave the youngest outside. I can imagine David, Bobby, who's, who's coming? Well, why are you, you know, cleaning the house, right? you the only cleaning when people come. Why are you? <laughs> I'm speaking for all the children in the house. <laughs> why are you cleaning? Who's coming? <laughs> and I can imagine Jesse saying, oh, Bobby, no, no, no someone's coming. But I, what I'm going to need you to do when he comes, I'm going to need you to just leave. I, I'm going to need you to get out of the way. Because God's going to pick someone who deserves it. God, God's going to select someone who looks the part, who acts the part. But, but literally Jesse, you know, God didn't look at the outer appearance. He looked at the heart of man. And in this moment, this crazy moment, I can imagine Jesse's face. He just feels, he feels like what is going, Jesse answered, he is tending to the sheep. He's outside taking care of the cattle. while you are here to pick one of my other sons? Verse 12, so he sent for him. Go bring me your son. And had him brought in. He was glowing with health and a fine appearance and handsome features. We learned last week uh, he was most likely a ginger. So he was a beautiful ginger. Come on. Love me some of that. Verse 13. So Samuel took the horn of oil and on the the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramallah. I want to focus on this part and I'll skip. But the Holy Spirit will always lead you to anoint. And vice versa. The anointing will always lead you to the power of the Holy Spirit. It's what's going to happen when you get anointed. You'll be led in the spirit. That accountability, that responsibility to do what God has placed in your life. The mission. Can I tell you, you have a specific and unique calling. Do you know that? Like God called you to actually do something with your life that will bring him glory. Glory. And he didn't destine you in a way that you can't get. He designed you for your destiny. In other words, I'm only here because I was designed to be here. Can I get a good amen? Amen. He's on the keys because he was designed to be on the keys. And, And there are people in the parking lot waving you down and organizing the ruckus of stuff going on. There's people outside. We have organizers in our church. We have planners in our church that you'll never see with a microphone. But come on, they're walking in their full potential that God has over their life. Some of us attach calling to a microphone. That's 21st century church. There were no microphones back then. You say no one was living in their calling because there wasn't a microphone? No. God has a specific and unique design because he has a specific and unique destiny. Why is your fingerprint like no one else's? Because God has a special plan for you. Why did God create you different? Think differently. Think, well, think outside the box. And some of you guys think that these, these different things that God's put in your life are reasons why you can't be who God called you to be. But can I tell you, the reasons why God can't use you is exactly why he wants to use you. It's exactly what he's looking for. If God if God made perfect people, he would have never had to send a perfect son. But come on, we have deficiencies, we have weaknesses. A lot of us have a, a really big story of life. I want to tell you, God can anoint anything and turn to anyone's story around. Here's my next idea today. The more of God comes with the anointing of the Spirit. The more of God. God doesn't just want you to live. He wants you to have life more abundantly. God doesn't want you to just survive. God wants you to, to strive. He wants you, he wants you to go from glory to glory. But can I tell you, the more of God will only come with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Can I get a good Amen. I'm not saying that when you have the spirit, when you have Jesus, life gets easier. Can I tell you I've seen people come to God and and before but before they came to God, they didn't know how to handle situations, they didn't know how to handle uh, just 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 chaos going in their life. After Jesus, they've been through the biggest storms of their life. And when I look at their timeline, I'm like, "Man, thank God you found God before you went through that." Thank God. See see our life's not going to get easier necessarily with Jesus. But he sent his spirit to be our comforter. I'm not, I'm not saying your life's going to be easy. I'm not, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying you're going to be untouchable with Jesus. You'll never be sick again. You'll, you'll never be broke again. You're, you know, You'll never go through anything bad. If you go through anything bad, then God's not real. I'm not preaching that. I'm not necessarily saying that. That is not true. Just because bad things happen doesn't mean that my God isn't good. Why? Because although I'm a believer and things go bad, he sent his spirit to be my advocate. He sent his spirit to be my peace. He sent his Holy Spirit to come alive in my life. I'm not necessarily saying you won't go through trials. I'm not necessarily saying things will get easier, but can I tell you the Holy Spirit's here to equip you. Holy Spirit's here to uplift you. Holy Spirit, he hears the fruits of the spirit. Number one, love to joy peace patience kindness faithfulness gentleness self control if any of these you're lacking in it's just the lack of the spirit really any of these areas you're lacking in cuz these are the fruit of the spirit fruit means it's produced after it's entered after it's worked on after it's settled in the dirt now you produce something you have the spirit what are you producing Squeeze the fruits coming out of you. Would it be love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? That is what the Holy Spirit wants to bring into your life. You Lacking in any of these, the Holy Spirit wants to fill the gaps. I believe the more of God comes with the anointing of the Spirit. Here's the thing about God's plan. God's plan was to save the world. You know you need saving? I watch movies about the end of the world. There's some people in, in the movie, it's the funniest characters. It's probably like meteors flying and things going crazy. There's like a dude like on the porch, right? Like with headphones. Like on a beach chair. Some of you guys in here haven't, haven't noticed this, the seriousness of Jesus because you, you didn't know that you needed saving. You, d- you didn't know that you were on your way to hell. Can we talk about the H word real quick, new birth? You guys here this morning? You, you didn't know that, that, that your lifestyle and, and everything, you were born into sin. You were born into this world of just darkness. And that's where we were headed, to a life away from God. Isn't that what hell is? Eternal separation? People are afraid of the flames. I'm afraid of separation from God. Hells it's not about the fire. It's about moving away from God, being away from him. And I tell you, God, he's so good that he sent a savior because you needed saving. If You're taking notes today, right? I needed saving. I was in the worst hole. And my good God stepped into that dark hole and offered me. Offered me what? Offered me salvation through his son, Jesus. So God's plan, watch this. God's plan is to save you. So he sent Jesus. But can I tell you, Jesus, he's like, hey, I'm only a man, and yes, I'm 100% God, and yes, I'm walking, breathing God, and people are being healed just by touching me, and so many miracles are going on, but I'm going to send them my spirit, that whoever believes in me will not not go to hell and will perish. But if you believe in me, you'll be saved and immediately my spirit will enter your heart. So that way no man can walk without the love of God. No man can walk without the eyes of God. No man can walk without the heart of God. No man can walk without patience. No man can walk without kindness. No man can walk without joy. No man can walk without peace. Because I'm not enough. I need to send my spirit. Spirit inside me is much better than the Jesus beside me. God's plan was Jesus. Jesus' plan was the spirit. Are you living in the spirit? Because that's where the more comes from. We need the spirit. Here's my first point tonight. God has anointed me to deliver those around me. God has anointed me to deliver those around me. That's the responsibility and the accountability of the spirit. Did you know that? The Old Testament kings were anointed and the king with responsibility and accountability. Today you've been anointed. Today you have the spirit. Today you have been baptized. Today you are a son and daughter of a king. Now it's time to put that faith into motion and to deliver those around you. I I, I think most of us, many of us, and I say this because I sometimes fall into this. Sometimes we predict exactly how God wants to move. We predict and we write down and we put down God's plan. If you can ever write out God's plan, I, I got to tell you it's too small. If you can ever really write out God's plan for your life, can I tell you it's already too small because you conceived it. The things God has for you no mind has even thought of. It's unimaginable. And God's called you to deliver those around you. 1 Samuel sixteen fourteen. This is what happens with with David. David wasn't only out in in, in the field with the sheep. He wasn't only a shepherd boy. But I can imagine sometimes out there, he's singing to God, and he's working on his harp. And he's preparing his harp, and he's getting his fingers ready. Come on. Any harp players in the room? Any harp players? We got one. Join our worship team, please. That's my favorite instrument, and I've never seen anyone play it live. Just a little side note. <laughs> a little quick shameless plug, amen. So I can imagine David out in the field working on his heart, working on his heart, working on his heart. And imagine his, his dad totally overlooking him, totally not even understanding what's going on. And as it says in 1 Samuel, right, this, this is him after out there develop, he's developing his skills. Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. So God allows the spirit, right, Uh, look at the book of Job, and and you see that God allows things to happen in your life. He doesn't cause them. He allows them to come to you because he believes you'll be stronger after that. You'll you'll love him and give him glory after that. And he allows it, and he allows it. You can take the verse off and understand that as as, as David started to play, as David started to worship, as David started to play his harp, spirits began to, to stop tormenting Saul. David's goal wasn't to free Saul from evil spirits. David's goal was to worship God, with what he put in his hands. You see, that's that's what this Christian walk is like. It's like I'm just obeying God with what's in my hands. And people around me are being delivered. I'm just obeying God, with what's in my hands, I'm getting better, I'm preparing, I'm I'm, I'm sharpening myself, and as I'm living in this, in this more that God has for me, people around me are starting to get delivered, people are starting to ask questions, people are starting to come to me for advice, people are starting to come to me just to talk to me, hey, I see something different about you, I don't know what it is, you ever got one of those before, I don't know what it is about you, but you be smiling too much, why are you smiling, I'm not smiling because I'm happy, I'm smiling because the spirit is giving me joy. You're set apart, church. That's how God designed you. Not to be a city under a bowl, but a city on a hill. You're called to deliver people. You're called to set the captives free. Why? Off your own strength? No. Off the strength and power of the Holy Spirit. You're called to deliver people. You're not just going to Starbucks you pray over those coffee beans, man. I believe a barista gets saved. Not just going to Publix. Tell that back boy, Jesus loves you. And out of nowhere, in the middle of the aisle, on aisle three, someone's getting saved and someone's getting anointed. You got to see more with your life. It's so regular, it's so ordinary, but God, my life is whatever. My life is even, is less than everyone else, but God looks at the lower things in life. He looks at the things that are weak and he makes them strong. Your God is the God of the underdog story. Did he know that? To prove his power, to prove who he is, he chooses those who are inadequate. He chooses those who cannot do it on their own strength to only point to him. God has anointed me to deliver those around me. Number two, God has anointed me for his glory. God has anointed me for his glory. First Samuel, let's keep reading. 16. Verses 10 to 13, Jesus had seven of his sons passed before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. 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 How many things have we presented to God and said, God, would, would, would you use this? It's beautiful. It looks amazing. God, this is the perfect story. God, if you would just use this and God turns his eyes, he says, I'm not gonna use that. I'm not going to use what you want me to use. I'm going to use what you don't want me to use. Like your sin. Like your story. Like your past. Like your struggle. Like everything wrong with you. Come on, that's why Paul says, listen, your weaknesses. Stop writing them off. I boast about my weaknesses. To show that God is good. To show that God uses anyone, anywhere, anytime. God has anointed me for his glory. It's amazing. A shepherd boy leading way to be a king. Does that make any sense? Makes no sense. In these times, you got to have the royal blood. And in these times, you don't just pick any kid to be the next king. That's not how it worked, that's not how it was supposed to happen. But God chose David so that David would rise up. And that when people look at David and start asking him, dude, you're a shepherd boy. You still smell like a field. What are you doing in a palace? What are you doing with robes on? That David will look back at them and say, I'm only here because the grace of God is on my life. Oh, my God, everything David's done. Oh, my God, David, you killed this lion. You killed this bear. You're super. How'd you do it? And David would look back and say, I did it through the grace and power of God. How did you kill Goliath? He was so big. He was so strong. You didn't even lay hands on him. You took a little rock. How would you do it? I did it through the anointing and the grace of God over my life. If you want to be noticed in church, you're already climbing the wrong ladder. God lifts up the humble to bring him glory. God has anointed you to bring him glory. Where in your life does God need glory? Where in your life are you pointing to yourself instead of pointing to Jesus? When people look at the story of your life, how much is it is, is about you and how much of it is about God? Who's, who's the savior of your story? Who, who who's the main who's the main protagonist of your story? Who is it? Who is it? Man, God, God deserves all the glory. Can I tell you I said this a couple weeks ago? The moment that you received glory, you weren't created to to receive glory, not in this stage. You're not built that way. God's built that way. He receives all the glory. Whatever you magnify above God, whatever you put glory of, God will eventually humble it. And that's what we have the saying at our church. That's why we say this all the time. It's the next idea. To God be all the glory. And everything we do, come on, to God be all the glory. Hey, you were able to tie today for the first time. That's amazing. Hey, to God be all the glory. Hey, you got that job you're praying for. Come on, how are you feeling? Oh, yeah, because my skill. It's because my degree. It's because I look good. It's because I smell good. No, no, no. I only got here through the glory and the grace of God. To God be all the glory. Hey, hey, that's a nice car you're driving. Hey, I got that car because God is so good. To God be all the glory. Hey, that's a nice family you have. You guys are so amazing. You guys are always smiling. We're only smiling because God is in our family. Family. Oh my gosh, you have this the best spirit. Oh my god, you're, you just look so great. Oh man, to God be all the glory. That's our life. That's our life. Who's the best thing about your life? Is it you? Are you the Lord of your life? Everything, every decision you make is in the best interest of you? Or are we anointed brothers and sisters that say, God can get glory through me? God will get glory through me. God has anointed me to deliver those around me. God has anointed me for his glory. Lastly, God has anointed me to make a difference. Make a difference. Church, we're three years. We've been doing this for three years. Three campuses, church. We, we, We have hundreds of people we're feeding every Sunday in Venezuela. Every other Monday we're feeding just eight, seven bags groceries, to to, to hundreds of families. We're doing so much as a church. We're only doing it because God has anointed us to do it. We're only where we're at today because God has anointed us to make a difference. That's what he's anointed us to. And I got to tell you, as I was preparing for this sermon, I wrote down some faith statements about the church that I see. Come on, we're just three years. Come on, best three years of my life. Anybody else? Anybody else? Best three years of my life. come on, I want to speak some things into existence. These next statements, I'm going to to read them. And I pray that these challenge you to want to be an anointed believer, to want to walk into the hands of purpose. Here they go. I, I believe our church, our church for the glory of God, is going to change a lot of things in this city. I believe through the power of the Holy Spirit, a lot of chains will be broken. And people will not run to religion, but will run to relationship with Jesus Christ. And He's gonna do it through your finances, through your giving, through your faithfulness, through your serving, through your prayer. That's how God's gonna do it. Here's some, here's some some faith statements about the church I see. I see, I see thousands of youth and young adults running into their purpose through the love and faith and faithfulness to God. Come on, anybody see thousands of you? Come on, we've got a couple hundred. I wanna see this room filled with youth and young adults praising God on a Sunday morning. That's the church I see. Youth, any youth and young adults in the house. Come on, God's going to use you. 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 You saw Dennis up in here. He could choose anybody. Pastor Dennis, youngest pastor ever installed thought is our church. Man, I, I see thousands of youth and young adults coming to our church and being saved and finding their purpose all to the glory of God. Here's another thing I see. I see marriages being restored and lost sons and daughters coming home. I see marriages being restored. I see I see marriages all over Kissimmee being restored through the power and love of Jesus Christ. That's why I see. I see lost sons and daughters. Come on, the, the, the prayers that sometimes we forget to keep praying. Those we forget to keep blessing. I see God doing miracles and sending daughters home and sending lost sons home. Come on, God is here to fulfill his promises. That's what I see. Here's another thing. I see thousands of addicted human beings running to God that can release them. I see so many addicted people coming to New Birth Church to find the God that can deliver them from their addiction, that can deliver them from their lusts. I see a God that can do that. Thousands and thousands of addicted young men and women coming to the feet of the cross, being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit through you. Here's what else I see. I see thousands of homeless men and women actually finding a church that loves them. Thousands. You know, what? we're planning something huge, I got to tell you. We're planning something huge, not for us, but for the homeless men and women of our our city. Homelessness is a big issue in our our city. You know it. I see see homeless men and women in the streets with New Birth merch on, with a Bible in their hands. Without a home to go to, but with a Bible in their hands. Saying, I believe in God because there's a church that reached me and talked to me about God. And now I'm here and now I'm a part of this family. Here's what else I see. I see a generous church ready to infect the world around them with the love of Jesus. I see a church giving beyond, beyond their capacity. I see a church giving beyond their capability. And God would take that. God would do something amazing in our city. We're portable. The biggest conversation we have, when we we get in the building. When we get in the building. Hey, are we ready to sacrifice to go into that building? Are we ready to give God, come on, just a little over and above and beyond of what we already do. To say, God, you want to use me for something bigger than me. I see a generous church. I see venues barely able to fit the multitudes of people searching for Jesus. I see us moving into venues and filling it out. And filling it out not for our glory, but for the glory of Jesus Christ. That's the church I see. But God has anointed you to make a difference. And it's until you understand the anointing over your life, to understand the power that God has placed inside of you, that you can run and not grow weary. That you can be in the hands of God. And not that your life will be perfect, but I cannot tell you, your God is perfect. Your God is perfect. He will fill your needs. He will fill your needs. I see new birth representing heaven in the coming years. I, I see new birth growing in so many ways, so many campuses. I see it, I see it, but can I tell you, it's going to be through you. Can I, can I tell you, it's not It's not the person next to you. It's going to be through you. God's going to do it through you. And this year, you have a question. Will I walk in the anointing of Jesus? Or will I set people free around me? Well, I jump into the church for anointing and appointing. It says in the book of Matthew, chapter 20, verse 28, is Paul. And if you're a youth and young adult, you got this a little earlier in the week, so hush up, all right? Matthew chapter 20, verse 28 is Paul. And he he refers to himself as a servant. Paul, if you don't know this, kind of wrote a lot of the, the New Testament, starting churches, building up leaders, building up leaders most of the new testament you see is, is paul's letters and, and paul talks in in in, in 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 first corinthians he says listen I, i'm not here as as the leader of this thing i'm a servant i'm a servant and that spirit of saw of paul sorry that spirit of paul didn't come from paul it came from jesus did you know that So Saul's Saul's mentality is already crushing myths within the early church, already setting culture within the early church, saying, hey, I'm not here to be the guy with the spotlight. I'm the servant. I'm the servant. And when you look at Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, Jesus says, just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus' mission was to serve. Paul says, listen, I, my job is to serve. I love what Paul says, though, because Paul says the word servant in the context of an under rower. And if you've ever seen large boats, they have the top deck where, where, where the captain's at, where the leader's at, right? And he's like, on to the north. You know what I'm saying? You like that? To the north. Forward. Any men love, like, action movies? It's just me. North, right? So you have the guy on the top of the boat, pointing vision, right, leading the way. We're going this way. And then you have the guys under the boat that they have, they have the paddles, right, and they're all together. And they're just rowing and rowing and rowing and rowing. They, they don't know what it looks like outside. They're not leading the ship. They're just rowing. Well, what God's put in their hands, they're rowing and they're rowing and they're rowing. And then the captain comes down and says, Hey, move a little bit to the left. And so, all right, here we go. And they're rowing. And, and and Paul says, can You put the picture up. I'm not the guys up top. You think I'm the guys up top because I'm in church, because I'm leading the church, because I'm I'm, I'm I'm not the guy leading this thing. Don't get this twisted. Don't, 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 don't confuse this thing. I'm not the guys up top. I'm a servant, I'm an under I am not the dude up there. You know who I am? I'm this guy. That's who I am. I'm taking orders. I'm being led by somebody. I don't even know what the weather's like outside. Can I tell you that? I don't know what the weather looks like outside. I don't know where God is leading me, but I know that he's leading me. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know, but, but I'm just, I have what's in my hands, and I'm rowing, and I'm rowing, and I'm rowing. I'm not being pulled by anybody else. I'm rowing my own life in the direction that God's called me. He says, I'm an under rower. I'm an under rower. Can I tell you, God has anointed you to make a difference with what's in your hands. Just row and row and row. And pastor, I've been coming to church and I still haven't seen my miracle. Can I tell you, keep on rowing. Keep on rowing. Pastor, I've been to this church and I haven't really connected with anyone yet. I don't know this is, but this is keep on keep on coming, keep on rowing, keep on rowing. Pastor, I'm reading the Bible, it's not really speaking to me yet. Come on, open up your heart, open it, keep reading, and I promise you, God will speak to you. Pastor, I'm worshiping. I don't feel the Holy Spirit. I'm not open to it. Keep on coming, keep on worshiping. In the middle of your worship, the Holy Spirit will meet you. And he says, I'm not, I'm not the guy up top, I'm the guy in the bottom. I'm the guy in the his was crazy, is that I can imagine David going back to his dad after he was anointed, after he was used, not in the field, in the palace. I can imagine that conversation. A shepherd boy anointed the next king. A shepherd boy who's super talented at the harp. A shepherd boy who will one day pen a lot of the Psalms that we read in our Bible. Uh, a shepherd boy who would write hundreds and hundreds of worship songs to God that we sing today. A shepherd boy. I can imagine him going to his dad and say, listen, dad, you overlooked me. Can we be real? You messed up on this one. I did some research. I'm like, why students fail? Like, why, why are students you know, I'm a student pastor. I'm always like trying to help students. Why are students failing? I found some things that researchers came up with to help students. A lot of the students' learning has a lot to do with the teacher. Did you know that? A lot of the students' learning has a lot to do with the teacher. Some statements they came up with. Students under the wrong leadership can be easily overlooked. Some teachers, they have their favorites. And if you're a teacher in here, I love you. Uh, My girlfriend's studying to be a, a teacher. She's great, but now she's going to social work. But hey, I love children and I love teaching and I love it. I got an aunt who's a teacher. You know, I love it. My parents are—they they work with with a school. I love—I love it. But 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 sometimes teachers don't—you know—connect with all the students. Can we be real? Not all the students are connected with the teacher. There's some—they're overlooked. And 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 the study said students will sometimes be overlooked by the leadership that's over them. Students succeed. Watch this. In the right environment, sometimes an accepting environment. So if you're in an environment of learning, but you're not accepted, sometimes it's hard to learn. You're in an environment of learning and you're not really noticed and you're not really, you know, you're kind of judged just without the words and with all the feelings. It's hard to succeed as a student. But they change that students around the right teachers can be challenged to change. Students who walked in with kind of low grades, with the right teacher, with the right focus, with the right attention can actually start succeeding. They can be turned around. Students with the right teacher can connect in a way that will bring the best out of the student. So it's not just students. It's this connection to teachers and 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 I can imagine sometimes that some you know human teachers sometimes, you know, hey, I don't I can't really be invested into 30 students. I got three kids and it's barely working. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna say me is the, the analogy. Teachers say I, I can't focus on every student. I wish I had one-on-one with every student. I wish I was in the life of every student, I wish I was going home with everyone, but I can't do it. I can overlook them. Listen, your God will never overlook you. Your God is not like a man that he should lie. He's not like a man that he should forget. He's not like a man or, or someone in your life that can overlook you. God sees you. God notices you. And, and Jesse must have looked at his son and said, God, forgive me. God, forgive me for overlooking the, the best son I've ever had. You don't hear about the seven sons that much in the Bible. You don't. You hear about David, though. You hear about David, though. And I can imagine David looking at his dad, Jesse, and say, Dad, you know what? I became a great man with the leadership of my heavenly father. Some of you guys are waiting. You're waiting for the attention of man when God's staring at you. You're waiting for men to promote you when God has you in the palm of his hands. You're waiting for men to recognize you, and you have a good, good father in heaven that loves you and that accepts you. And I can imagine David looking at his dad and saying, You might have overlooked me, but my heavenly father did not overlook me. You might have doubted me because I was the youngest. Because I wasn't, you know, as strong as everyone else. But my father saw me as strong. I killed Goliath. I stepped up, with my brothers were in the back of the war. And I did that not for my glory, but for the glory of God. It's the spirit inside of me. I'm not doing this because I'm strong. But come on, I'm here because the spirit is inside of me and is pushing me forward. This year, if all you have i let you know that's all you need. If All you have when you wake up in the morning is God's love over you. You have enough for that day. If you're going through the hardest moment in your life, and if Jesus shows up, can I tell you more than the answer to the situation? Jesus is the ultimate answer. God is over you, and God is around you. And I can imagine David saying, look what my heavenly father saw in me. Look what my heavenly father did through me. You know, that, that's supposed to be the story of your life. That's the story of a believer. That we'd go onto the streets of the world and say, look what God is doing in my life. Some of us keep quiet with some of the stuff that God's done for us. Some of us keep quiet with all the miracles God's done in our lives. Some of us keep quiet with all the testimonies we have. Listen, our church isn't silent in the world and loud in church. We're loud in the church and we're loud outside. We take that message out. Look what God did in our lives. Look what He's doing. And I mean, you see these scars, that means I made it through. I might have been hurt. I might have fell. I might have been through some battles, but I made it through and I'm still standing. And now the worst memory of my life is a scar to prove that God is good, to prove that God is faithful. I'm asking every head bowed, every eye closed. If you feel comfortable, if you just bow your heads and close your eyes in this place, I'm asking the worship team to come up and start worshiping with everything you got, as fast as you guys can possibly can. I, I really want to expedite this process. Come on, every head bow, every eye closed. You see, the Holy Spirit's been tugging on your heart. He has been to me, tugging on some things, tugging on some things, tugging on some things that He wants you to surrender, that He wants you to give up. Come on, the fruit of the Spirit is the We hope this message has inspired you. As a place of hope, our church is committed to reach our community. If you'd like more information about new birth, visit our website at nbplaceofhope.com.